Let's pray together. Lord, my prayer is simple that you uh, would do as we sang or as we listen to prepare our hearts. I pray for the believers here, those who, who are Christian. I pray over this Christmas season, you restore the joy of their salvation. Uh, that, that feeling uh, that they have had uh, that perhaps is, uh, has faded. Their salvation never fades, but, but joy can, can fade. And so I just pray that this would be a, a time of, of restoration, um, not of personal relationships, but relationships with you. Uh, that is the primary relationship you got in Jesus. We would, and we would be prepared for not just Christmas, but uh, prepared to meet you any day. Uh, and prepared uh, that you will come again and, and make all things right. Uh, because your word says it. And here at this church, we, we believe that. Restore our joy. Day in, day out, Christmas and always. By you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you all. Have a seat. Thankful to our worship team again. Uh, as you get settled, please take a Bible. And you can turn to John 11. John 11. This is a, so it's a non-traditional Advent passage. You know, Advent uh, usually is manger, and we'll get to that, and shepherds, and we'll get to that, and some wise men, and don't worry, we'll, we'll cover all that. But John 11 has been a passage uh, that has been on my heart uh, over the last couple weeks, so I believe the Lord drew me there, and I believe it speaks uh, a lot to Advent. And Advent being about preparation. So at, when we say Advent over and over again, Advent literally means to prepare. Uh, so first question I would ask, uh, everybody prepared for Christmas? Everybody? I mean, everybody houses? I know some of you are, you know, the pre-Thanksgiving uh, this is, this is the late, we do not, we actually, this is a record, we do not have our Christmas tree up yet. Uh, it is, uh, it's a shocker for me, it's going up today. Anyway, so, but we think and plan a lot about being prepared for this season, uh, and for Christmas day, Christmas couple days, parties, we put a lot of energy into making plans to prepare for Christmas. Second, more important question, uh, are you prepared for Jesus? Advent literally means to prepare. So we say Advent, just think prepare. That's why the song we sang, prepare ourselves to prepare. Now often Advent is about preparing ourselves to remember uh, Jesus in the past. Uh, As as a, a good lover of Christmas, past, present, future, Christmas carol, some of you didn't get that, but anyway... Past, Jesus came in history. Uh, it is, I mean, whether you believe in Jesus a lot or not, there, all the evidence, I mean, he was, a, um, he was born at a certain period of time. It's a historical fact. Jesus Christ lived on this earth. So a lot of times at Advent, we are looking back to prepare kind of, and honestly, it doesn't really connect to what we prepare to remember. Yes, does the remembering prepare us? Yes, okay. So we prepare to remember Jesus in the past but also to prepare for the present, the present. And, and that preparation would be like, are you prepared to meet Jesus 
today? And that could be as heavy a question as you want. Are you prepared to meet Jesus today? I feel I'm, I'm prepared, even though I'm going to take communion seriously today and I'm going to repent at the altar, as I think you should, and every Sunday. We provide an opportunity to prepare to meet Jesus today if that were to happen, whether he would come again or we'd go to him, okay? And one or the other will occur at some point. And then we prepare for his future coming. As I said in the prayer, uh, we believe not of opinion or it sounds right, but because the Bible says it, uh, and if we think biblically, then this is truth, that he will come again. And if we think biblically, literally, uh, as I do, then the clouds or the sky will part and Christ will come again. Uh, Revelation says he'll be on a white horse uh, and he will be uh, making the world anew. And it'll speed up pretty, pretty quick. He's making the world new now. So are we prepared for that? For Christ coming uh, in the future. Today I want to talk about and use this passage, John 11. And I'm, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm going to draw out some verses. But I t- want to talk about being prepared. I want to talk about preparing our minds. I want to talk about preparing our hearts. I want to talk about preparing our lives. How we can prepare minds, hearts, lives, our very life. How we should prepare our minds, think, heart, feel, life, action. All for Christ, His coming. Uh, if you uh, tweet uh, like I do, a lot of people who do think biblically and I admire, uh, often they'll see things in the world and they'll say, come Lord Jesus, come. And they're saying that because they, they see things down and they're like, man, come today, come, come, to, come Lord Jesus. And, and I'm not asking you to say that or pray that or tweet that, uh, but I am saying that there is that belief that sometimes I think we as Christians uh, lose because we get so uh, saturated and involved in our present life uh, that we forget the future plan that he is coming in, that he is in the midst of making all things right now, and one day they will all uh, be right. And we will meet those people who uh, we have impacted and, and never met. And I, just, I believe that fully. So preparing our minds, preparing our hearts, preparing our lives. John 11. Now John 11, and again, I'm not going to read. Really, the story would be verse 1 through 44. And just for time... I'm not going to read the whole story. But it is, if you're a believer, if, you, uh, if you've read through John, if you uh, know the Sunday school stories, you should be familiar with this passage. This is Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, now, it is both a, a, a resurrection that foreshadows his resurrection. Uh, it is also uh, someone whom he loved, a dear friend. He was Mary and Martha's brother, Mary and Martha of you know, have a merry heart and a Martha world fame. Uh, some of you know that. But I think it, it, this passage has a lot to show us. So basically, Lazarus is sick. Let me paraphrase this. Lazarus is sick. They come to Jesus. They say he's sick. And he doesn't go immediately. He waits until Lazarus has died. And at first, I mean, they're very angry with him because they're like, you know, if you'd have been here, they know Jesus is healer. Uh, they know Jesus is a great teacher. They know Jesus is friend. This is Mary and Martha. Uh, they don't yet know that he is fully life giver, that he is a resurrector. Uh, and I've said this before in sermons, and I, 
it, it ministered to me even as I preach it. Because I think some of us, this is how we live our Christian life. We know Jesus can like, oh man, he can heal. He can restore. I mean, he's teacher. Uh, he is savior. We really don't walk and live like he is resurrector. Like, like he is, he saves us because we're dead in our sins. But then sometimes what I prayed about that, you know, restore the joy. Like we just feel, you know, dead and, and depleted. Uh, and that Jesus resurrects us to new life. That could be a daily thing. It could be a seasonal thing. So they know him as healer. They don't yet know him as resurrector. So finally, he raises Lazarus from the grave, and it is for the glory of God. So how would this talk about preparing us? Well, first, preparing our minds. I'm going to put a verse up on screen, John eleven four. This is just... The beginning of the story, preparing our minds. Listen to this. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now you may be asking, what does that have to do? That's great. Okay, I know he's going to raise Lazarus. What does that have to do with preparing our minds? I believe... You could tie that verse there directly to one of my favorite verses, which is Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I believe you could tie that verse right there directly uh, to one of my favorite uh, phrases. There are no accidents in Christianity. Okay? He's saying it is for the glory of God. Lazarus was his friend. Lazarus believed in him. So Lazarus would be called a Christian before Christians were named Christians. And Jesus said, man, this is going to work out for the glory of God. Now, something that we have to realize, and often we don't, is the no accidents in Christianity and all things happening, you know, for a reason and all that, it should lead to the glory of God, not to the glory of us or me or, or you. And often we like to personalize, like, oh, yeah, man, it's working, and it's, it ends up glorifying me. Jesus here says, no, it's to glorify God. What he's going to do is going to bring God the glory. When all things work together for good, it's to bring God the glory. It's to make that, that space between heaven and earth a little bit closer, a God's glory. But I do believe that that is a mind shift for us. Like, you, have, you may have, like, bad stuff going down in your life right now. Uh, you may, you know, your Christmas may have just happened over the last two weekends with the great football games. And now you're like, man, it is all downhill from here. I mean, like, Christmas parties and, like, cousins, you know, God, do we have to see him again? You know, all that, you're like, man, why am I born here? Oh, I get so many Christmas party invitations. Oh, I've got to go to five tonight. Oh, man, it is just, it is like, it's wearing on me. You may have stuff going down in your life, and and I would just say, if you're a Christian, it is all uh, working for God. And it's a mind shift to say, man, maybe this is happening for my glory. Maybe God wants me to go to those five parties and, and maybe be a witness by being there. But watch my words. Uh, and watch my actions, and just think about it, and think about maybe God is using me in every situation, in every relationship, uh, as a dad, being a dad, or as a mom, as a husband, or as a wife, or as a family member, or 
God's working in every situation. And one day I'll, I'll, I'll see it all. But that is preparing your, that is thinking differently about your life. And I believe that's what part of the gospel is about. Thinking differently about every opportunity, every career. Not all of y'all are called to be pastors or missionaries. Some might be. But all of you are called to work in this world. We're all called to. I mean, that's biblical too. And God gives you skills and get everything. It's all a plan and working. That's a mind. You got to think that. You got to renew your thinking. You got to prepare your mind. God's working in this. Man, this is really tough. This is really, it's really painful. God is working in this. Man, this death. I mean, what the hey? I love, he died. God's working in this. Somebody died here. Yes, he rose again a couple days later. God's working in this. That, that is a mind shift. And so I really want to emphasize that preparing our minds. If you're a Christian, if you're, if you're not a Christian, I would say God's working there too. But this is it's like big sovereignty of God, God in control. And you got to believe, you got to think that, believe that, okay? Uh, that happens in people. You know, if you went through the rest of this passage, you would see, which I think is fascinating, talking about Mary Hart and the Martha world. God uses Martha's gifts and Mary's gifts in very specific ways. I'm not going to read it all, but Martha, you know, I mean, Martha is the worker bee. We got any of those there, here? I'm just curious. Martha's, I mean, she's always there, every detail, getting it done. You know, she's got the T-shirt, you know, how to get things done, everything. You know, it is, you know, it's going down. So she's a, she runs to meet Jesus. She's like, you know, pepper him, bow, 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 bow. Like, you know, why weren't you here? You could have, now because of her question, you're like, how did God use that for, you know, you know, some people can find that annoying. Some people maybe love it to get it done, but then not saying anybody in particular. But, okay. God uses that. How does he use that? Well, there's, an, there's a response. I'm going to bring it up. Don't put it up on screen yet. But there's a response. Jesus answered and says something about himself because of her questions. Because she races to him. Because she's at, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. We're going to use this passage in a minute. The one who believes in me will never die, he says. Okay? Now, Mary, on the other hand, Mary's like, she's not yet running to Jesus. She's not getting anything ready. She's, she's praying, okay? She's the prayer warrior in the room, and she's made all these relationships through prayer. So all the brothers and sisters who are Jews, and they were Jews, man, our sister's hurting. Let's go. Let's surround her. I mean, times like, we've had times like this in, in our church. Man, we've got to pray for her. We've got to get down. We've got to get it on. Let's get the prayer warriors together. So Mary's like, you know, in, in the house or in the closet, and man, she's just praying. And all these brothers are there. How did God use that? Because of those relationships, because of Mary's unique giftedness, she built those relationships, she prayed, and then, and this won't be up on screen, but you go down to verse 45, it says, Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he, Jesus, did, believed in him. I don't know if you just caught that, I don't know if you need a light bulb moment, but because of her relationships, through being Mary prayer warrior, they came to believe in Jesus. Now, I would say the same thing for you, whether you are, and I didn't even mention Lazarus, God just used his death. I mean, like, think about, I mean, that is an action in life. That is, and if you're a Christian, hey, death can even be looked at as a gift. You're going, I mean, like, if I'm, if I'm done with things, with work here on earth, bring me home. Okay? And I love 
this lady, and I love my kids, but I know God has. So if I'm done, if you're done with work, and I actually believe if if you're done with what God has for you, He's going to bring you home. Because what is to come is much more better, much bigger than our plans, dreams, you know, mission, career, all that. So God even uses his death. Didn't even talk about the disciples who were acting as usual, pre-crucifixion, stupid. And, you know, Jesus uses them. He uses their stupidity. And God has used my stupidity. I would say God has used my mistakes. God has used our weaknesses, our brokenness, everything. So you, you have specific gifts. You have specific interests. You have specific calls. And he will use them. Uh, God even uses events. Events. A real quick story. Real quick story. Got to say this. Uh, we were in Italy, and we had like two days where there was nothing going on. So we took a good family time trip to, I love sound and music. Uh, the hills are always alive in Salzburg, Austria. So we rented a car. We drove up there. The car happened to be a stick shift. Anybody got a stick shift here? Who got a stick? Anybody got sticks? <laughs> I know you do, brother. Okay. <laughs> And, okay, so I learned to drive on a stick, but it was like an old, my dad's old, he had a, a side, what is that called, a side stick? Huh? Yeah, I learned how to drive on that. But, I mean, you know, 20-some-odd years, I've been driving automatic. So it's a stick shift in Europe where they got a lot of roundabouts. You ever driven through a roundabout? Going through the Alps, which is a bit cold and a bit sleety and a bit wet. Follow me here, okay, with a stick, okay. So... <laughs> Uh, my wife and I, and Jack, uh, well, my, I, I, I really wasn't that fearful, <laughs> but I put my wife and Jack in a little place of fear, okay? Uh, throughout, throughout. Now, so two days pass. Man, I start getting the hang of it. Man, I'm just rocking, you know, man. Dude, this is like, man, I want to stick. Ted, give me, a, give, me a, give me your stick shift car, okay? So... We go to one of the church planters' uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And this was, uh, we were dropping the car off the next night. I park at the house. In my mind, okay, here's sinful, selfish thought. My mind, it's like, man, I'm really getting good at this. this stick, I just crew pull in. I'm good, man. Going up, up the steps to the door, don't enter the house yet. And I hear this noise. And it's real, it's kind of soft. It just goes, plump, plump. What is that? So I turn around and I'm like, man, what is a car doing in the middle of the road? Okay. It's a car. Wait, okay, that's that's my car. Okay. So in that moment, I was thinking, man, I'm really good. Open the door, you know, get out. Not saying I strut and strutted, but, you know, you think about it a little bit. You kind of roll out. And so the car not put on the parking brake. It had rolled backward into the street. And here's the other deal. On the other side of the street was this fairly deep uh, creek drop-off, okay? Like, like cars could fall into the, the creek there. And where I just happened to park, there had been a, uh, a little gate there. And so the plump was it hitting the gate, Okay. So I'm thinking, like, first God humbles me, and then God provides for me. And there was a little bit of a mark uh, there. And so dropped the car off, 
the you know rental car says something in Italian. Rob's like, I was like, what does he say? He's like, is it all good? Yeah, all good. You know, there you go. So <laughs> we're good. But and I hadn't gotten any emails about it yet. But just a little mark. So he, all events, man. He humbles you. He provides for you. Let's, let's move quickly. Preparing our hearts. Prepare our minds. Prepare your hearts. Hearts about love. So this is really simple. Who do you love? Who do you love? Do you love Jesus? Uh, we should and we can. And I know the, you know, I know we're told to love him. But look at this. Verse 33 through 35. Love him as, as a human being, as sent to us, as a person. When Jesus saw her crying, this was Mary, and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit. I know how it feels to be deeply moved. I was deeply moved earlier in the, in the service. And troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. Now, as I've been meditating over this over the past week or so, Jesus didn't say like, hey, there are other passages in scriptures like Jesus took a moment to himself. Jesus went off by himself to pray. He didn't say that here. You catch that? He just wept openly. No holes barred. He didn't say, you know, I need some time. I need, Jesus wept. As a human being is deeply moved. Fully man. And also, this chapter, he's fully God. Where does it show that? Uh, the verse the verses I referred to earlier, verse 25, 26. It's one of the I am verses. I am, which God said I am to Moses back in Exodus. Jesus fully God. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's fully man, fully God. Uh, do, do we love him? I mean, really, do, do we love Jesus? Is it a heart thing? Is it a feeling thing? Something that we were struck about, or at least my wife and I were struck about when we were at the church in Italy. And there was a contrast, okay? And, and please don't hear this or take this the wrong way, but there was a distinction. Uh, often here, uh, I, will, I will hear, you know, oh, I love my church, and it, it gives me pride and hearing y'all say that about this church. Or I'll hear somebody say, oh, I love this church, okay? Or, I lo- you know, I love my church. And often people use it as a comparison game, if we're being honest. Or I love my church. Or I love my pastor. Or I, I love so-and-so. We're at church in Italy, and we're around a lot of people. Never, ever heard that once. Never heard. I love Rob. I love Sandy. Never heard. I love Serenissa Bible Church. You're like, well, were they just jerks or something? No, they were like so... Kind-hearted and spirited. What we did here was, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Um, I, I'd much prefer you to just be growing and say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Um, one other thing about feeling, that's a church kind of analogy. One thing personally, and this goes to marriage. I was honored to do a, a, a wedding last night. Um, a... Uh, Bellwether family uh, person out of, out of town. But thinking about marriage, you know, the, and I have to quote, I, I, this did not originate from me, unfortunately. I wish I'd have thought of this. But Tim Keller said this, the secret of marriage is really simple and it's really hard. 
Some of you remember nothing else of this sermon. You may remember this. The secret of marriage is this. Uh, to love your spouse when you're getting no love in return. It's really simple and yet really hard. Or it can just be really simple. You're like, how can it just be really simple? Well, if you're getting love from somewhere else, then you can give love over and above. You're like, hmm, what do you mean by that? Well, think about uh, giving. Uh, think about giving money. Think about being a philanthropist, okay? Like philanthropy and giving, the more you're getting, the more you can give. And if you're not giving anything, then the giving cuts off. Did you just see what I said? Preparing our hearts to love, whether it's loving a spouse, loving others that we talk about generally, loving people, loving enemies. If you're getting a ton of love, Give it freely, openly, always. If you're not getting love, you dry up. So I would say, tying it to the church. I mean, the love doesn't come from people or organizations. Or, it comes from God. It comes from Jesus. You receive your love from Him, and then you can just give it and give it over and over again. You're like, I'm getting it here. I don't need it from you, even. I love you. I don't need your approval or your like, response in love. And, so that actually, the secret of life could be called to love when you're not getting any love in return. Last point, last thing real quick, is preparing mind, heart, and life. Very life. You're just your, your life, your, your work, your call, your, your actions. And this would be verse 40 through 42. And I was most moved by these two couple verses as I was reading this. Verse 40 through 42. This is... Jesus is raising Lazarus, and he says, Didn't I tell you, if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that they may believe you sent me. Now, what really uh, pierced me in this? Jesus didn't say that they may believe in me. He said that they may believe you sent me. And he ties that to, they would see the glory of God that you, Father, sent me. John 3, 16, everybody knows that, right? For God so loved the world that he, what did he do? He gave. Gave his only son. Often we don't know John three seventeen, but I love it just as much. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save it. There's that word, sent. Jesus was sent. He didn't just come and like, hey, I can relate to these guys. Hey, I just kind of love you. He was sent to do something. He was sent to show the glory of God. In the greatest way, on the cross. We love manger. Manger happened for the cross. The glory of God is that God sent his son to die for you. To pay the penalty. Because sin is so horrible and sin is in... It's in me, okay? I'm not saying you. It's in, it's in all of us. It can't, can't, can't. I mean, even Paul, Romans 7, read that. He's like, man, I, I want to do what I want to do, and I can't do it. I mean, I want to I live a God. I can't do it. And this is Paul, and he wrote like half the New Testament. And Jesus wiped that clean. He came to die. So, in preparing your life, let me use this word, churchy word, saved. You're not saved for yourself. You're saved to be sent. 
You're saved to be sent. Yes, you are. I mean, you're like, well, is that your opinion? You see that all through the Bible. Mary, Martha, Mary, Jesus' mom, disciples, church history. You're saved to be sent. Now, that doesn't mean sent to you know, far-flung places, India or Italy. I mean, you're sent to, sent to your spouse if you're married. You're sent to your kids. You're sent to the family that God placed you in. You're sent to this church. You're sent to this community. You're sent to the world. You're, you're sent. You're sent to show His love, if you're getting the love, and knowing all things are working. So the gospel, we use that word a lot. What, what is it? The gospel is so much, but it impacts our mind and knowing all things are working, our hearts, and that we draw from this uh, unending well of love from Christ the Lord. And we know all of us are struggling like, oh, purpose and life and plans and what am I going to do? You're sent. You're like, God has a plan and God's sending me. And it's, it, you're already on mission. You may not even realize it through your work and through your family and, and there. Last thing I would say, and this is my prayer, and I, I can't, this didn't originate in me either. This is by a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a, uh, really one of the famous, most famous uh, preachers, speakers, writers of the 20th century. He preached in a church in London. I'm reading this book of his right now called Joy Unspeakable, about the power of the Holy Spirit. Highly recommend it. Uh, it's, you know, use the phrase, rocking my world. Power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and he defines, there are really three types of salvation. And I, actually, I believe this is so true. Level one. It's what we love and rejoice. It's just, you know, it's the, the kids saying, I believe. I believe in Jesus. Hey, man, I don't question that. You are saved. I'll be with you in glory. You are in. Jesus is preparing your mansion in the sky. Just, hey, I believe. I believe. I, I believe. You know, we had a baptism Sunday. Um, Three weeks ago, these people said, I believe. Man, they are, they are saved. That's never going to be taken away. They are Christian, locked in, okay? We baptize, we celebrate. I'd love to have a baptism service in January, by the way. I'd love for you to say, I believe. As a church, we want you to say, I, I believe. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Done. But it doesn't end there. It says there's a second level of salvation. doesn't mean you're not saved. It just said it, it, it goes on. This second level could happen at the same time, or it could be a different time. And this is the love. I quoted this verse three weeks ago then, 1 John 4. He says that you may know the love of Jesus for you. What I talked about, you're drawing from this unending well. So the second level is you're able to love without getting any in return. You can love enemies. And if you, I don't think we debate this. That's a different level. Like I know people say, man, I believe. And they're not there on that other level. They're still Christians. They still got the mansion that Jesus is preparing, but they're like going through life. They got bitterness. They got like, man, unforgiveness. They got like resentment. And it's like, just can't go there because they haven't taken that step. They haven't, they don't really know. They don't really know how much Jesus loves them. I think some of you are at that level, by the way, number two. I don't think all of us are. Number three, and this is nothing we can do. He talks about this being the baptism of the Spirit. All three can happen at the same time of salvation. He does say this. But the third is it's just totally out of our control. It's the outpouring of the Spirit supernaturally, which, which some of you have felt. But 
I think if you have a baptism of the Spirit, you, you are totally changed forever. And I do think you draw from this, he titles the book, Joy Unspeakable. And it's just a, and he says, you know, few Christians have it, few, few churches have it. But it is, God, I pray for that in my life, in our church. And I can't do anything about it. It's totally his decision. He just pours it down. So I'm going to pray for it for Christmas, this Christmas. My only wish this year. I just had to use that. Anyway, I'm going to pray for it for you. A lot of you are saved. You're done. And we want others who are not saved to be saved. But there are different levels. And I'm praying to go and deeper. And that's not a bad word, but for the joy. Let's pray for it now. Heavenly Father, pour out your spirit on us right now. I pray. I don't know if you will or not. Just pray you pour out your spirit. Pray you pour out your spirit all through this Christmas season and beyond the new year. In Jesus' name, amen.